Welcome, listeners, to the BHL podcast series. I'm your host, Scott Heidner, and I've got my co-host, Travis Grauerholtz, with me. And we are very excited today to have as our guest, Senator Dinah Sykes, the Senate Minority Leader. Uh, Thank you for making time to join us today. Thank you for having me, Travis and Scott. My pleasure. Absolutely. We have, uh, you join a a long and distinguished list of, uh, of state legislative leaders that we've had on the podcast, and it's always exciting for us. Um, One of our most recent guests who had wonderful things to say about you was uh, Senator Ty Masterson. And we'll get back to, well, actually, you know what? Let's just lead off with this. Maybe the, the, for our followers and anybody that listened to Senator Masterson's podcast, uh, the question all inquiring minds are going to want to know, and it's timely. (laughs) How's the fantasy football league going? So I did not make the playoffs. Oh, um, tragedy. Actually, neither did Ty. So oh. actually, I think oh. all my staff are um, in the playoffs. I'm not sure how that happened, but it was a fun time. It was a great way to just to kind of relax and have kind of just conversations with Ty and some smack talk about football. That doesn't matter in this building. So we, we've got your team here with you. They're not on air, but uh, tell us, gang, who's who's in the hunt? Who's going to be in the playoff Super Bowl? Oh, we've got oh. we've got both Super Bowl contenders in the audience here today. All right. Well, we may be uh, we may be interviewing the wrong people. These may be the <laughs> yeah. If you want to know about football, probably I was not the person to ask. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm a fantasy football nerd. I play in multiple leagues, and in most of them, I got beat like a government mule this year so uh, uh i share your pain yeah i share your pain well w- let's start off we always do this with our guests let's start off all the way back at the beginning if you would walk us through where you grew up uh where you went to school give us a snapshot of your childhood and your hobbies and and all of that so I grew up in East Tennessee, actually um, was born in a small town, Middlesbrough, Kentucky, lived in Ewing, Virginia, small coal mining town, um, moved to Knoxville, Tennessee in 1982 during the World's Fair, and that's where I grew up, um, loved being in the Smokies in the South, and uh, my dad had a farm. Um, they also worked in a physical therapy practice and was surrounded by my family close within an hour. And um, But, yeah, I'm a southern girl. Uh, I did not know you were from Tennessee. It's a separate subject, but Tennessee is kind of my second home almost. I go oh. down there all the time. Yeah. Nashville, of course, like all yes. tourists do. But And so I went to the University of Tennessee my first year. Peyton Manning and I were in school together. And, yeah, so I... I mean, University of Tennessee football, we've been terrible for several years. But, uh, when you go to school with Peyton Manning, you enjoy football. You um, get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I transferred to a small Christian liberal arts school, Trevecca Nazarene University, um, for my sophomore year. That's where I met my husband. And 
um, lived in Nashville until uh, my husband actually came to graduate school in Kansas City, and that's what brought us here. We thought we would be in Kansas for maybe three years, but fell in love with it and decided this is where we wanted to raise our family. That's awesome. There's nothing better as uh, Travis and I are lifelong Kansans. There's nothing better than hearing stories from people that came from elsewhere to Kansas and and made that decision like this is where I want home to be. Yeah, it was a fabulous place and fell in love with it from really the first visit. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, I might also point out, you said, uh, you know, University of Tennessee, we've been terrible at football for a while. So I'm a KU fan, and let's let's talk about how relative the term terrible (laughs) is. Uh, You guys, I think, are going to a bowl again this year of some kind. Yeah, that... uh, that's not so terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when we were kind of champions for so long growing up, and you know, you were always in a bowl game, and then we kind of had a little dry yeah. spell. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of hardcore UT fans, uh, friends of mine down in Nashville. Have have I got my history right that UT has the most national championships? I don't know. I don't have to check. I don't. Possibly. Yeah, we'll I see. think I want to say six. Okay. Uh, it's a lot. Well, uh, all all of a we Jayhawk fans uh, jealous of your of your heritage. Now Travis here is a K State fan, so he he stands on his own two feet. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Another Jayhawk. We're for the audience here. We're we're polling Senator Sykes' team, and we get some rock chalk in the crowd. This is excellent. Very yeah. good. Well, I will tell you, my son is a junior, and KU is. Um, courting him very nicely right now. Outstanding. <laughs> so we may have a Jayhawk in the family. Outstanding. Very, very good. Well, what about, tell us a little bit more about your childhood. What what were your hobbies growing up? And did you, uh, uh, you know, what was your first job? Did politics have play a part or have an interest for you as you, at a young age? Yeah, so, you know, I was the youngest um, out of all my cousins growing up. So I, I kind of you know, played with just friends and neighbors and loved riding my bike, spending summers at my grandmother's and grandfather's, um, just riding horses, um, you know, being outside. And I never saw politics as, you know, something I saw myself interested in. Um, Loved playing tennis, um, just being outside. so my first job as a kid, um, so my dad had a farm. Um, we didn't live on the farm, but it was a separate piece of property that we had. And he would sit me in our front yard. We had a circle driveway, and it was a pretty busy street. So I sat out there and sold vegetables in the summer. <laughs> that was my first job. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. How funny. So I'm trying to get my timing down here and and being delicate and not even speculating about your age is this was al gore already on the national stage at this point or was he still involved in state politics down there he was still in state politics okay then yes uh so that's a a noteworthy name obviously to be yeah exposed to at a young age there and Lamar Alexander. So my dad is a uh-huh. lifelong Democrat, and I actually have a picture of my dad with Lamar Alexander, and they're both laughing because opposite sides of the political spectrum. Yeah. But, How cool. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And Fred Thompson, is he a 
Tennessee Dawson and also is in Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, the actor slash politician. That's my high school years when Fred was yeah. kind of in the limelight. Yeah, it was a younger time for us. If it was now, I'd probably be more interested in his politics. But mostly back then, I just knew he dated Lori Morgan, <laughs> <laughs> the country star. Uh, I don't know if that would have passed the the age rule. What's that? divide by two and add seven what's the proper you know age gap <laughs> anyway uh moving on we'll going into college then taking a look at your professional career what uh what did you study and what did you have an appetite to do and and how did that go so I was a business major, um, marketing, finance, economics. Um, I actually worked in our university advancement department um, doing gift accounting, and uh, we were in the middle of a big capital campaign, so I learned how to fundraise and be a development officer, and that's kind of where I was headed um, after college and started doing more of that in a higher education putting my husband through graduate school oh very cool and who knew then it would be a handy tool to have down the road <laughs> that is yeah. right those classes and learning how to ask and it's okay to get a no um right has helped quite a bit in the last several years very cool and then after that your professional career so I um, worked in university advancement for quite a while, and then um, when I had my first son, William, decided to stay home and be with him, raise the kids, and um, did that for several years. Then I started my own business as a catering and personal chef and enjoyed that, able to work around my kids' schedule, and it was really just a fun way. Um, I really... My marketing was by word of mouth, and I um, stayed as busy as I wanted, and it was great. And that's kind of, I did that until I got into politics. No kidding. I'll be darned. Uh, you were one of the original work-from-home pre-COVID, um, <laughs> setting your, right. you know, your own schedule, that yeah. kind of thing, with catering business. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, cool. you moved to Kansas. Um, you're here with your husband. You've got the catering business. What got you into politics. I mean, what, what pushed you over that line to get you an interested in public policy and run for public office? So when my, again, when my oldest William was in kindergarten, um, started just getting involved being in the PTA and, um, actually his kindergarten teacher, um, told us that we needed to put him in private school and, you know, a young family kind of budgeting all of that. I was like, how are we supposed to do that? Um, and so got more involved in w figuring out what was happening in our schools and saw, you know, the budget cuts and decisions. So started going to um, PTA meetings, school board meetings, and then realizing that it was more of a state issue instead of those local school board. So um, just got more involved writing my senator and representatives. That's when I met Stephanie Clayton, who was my representative. Um, I actually had her come and talk to the PTA and um, my senator at the time, um, if I got a response, it was kind of condescending and you know, that's one way to get me to do something. So I um, started talking to some friends who were in office about um, possibly running or helping in a campaign and um, then that door just kind of flew open, and 
um, knocked over 10,000 doors. I don't even know that I really knew what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember that first year in office. I mean, it is truly um, drinking by a fire hose. And how many, for our listeners, how many constituents in a district or how many households? Um, it's probably about 70,000 is kind of the... Yeah. And you knocked on how many doors? I knocked on over 10,000 doors. Personally. Wow. Went through a couple pairs of shoes. <laughs> My husband made me throw them away. <laughs> Not keeping them as a memento to... Yeah, I... I thought that it would be great to give to grandchildren, but he decided not. <laughs> Campaign shoes up there on the on right. the wall. That's right. They were Birkenstocks, which made it even better. <laughs> well, I tell you, and you know this better than anybody, but no matter how much fundraising somebody does, no matter how much name recognition you have, knocking on 10,000 doors makes a difference. I mean, there's no substitute for being out and about. Yeah. It really does. And then because of COVID, I wasn't able to knock doors. So I spent a lot of time, you know, making phone calls um, for my reelection. And I started just, this is Senator Dinah Sykes. I wish I was at your door, but out of extreme caution. And so many people are like, I remember you were at my door and those conversations. So even, you know, four years later from that initial contact, they remember that yeah. um, face-to-face conversation that we had. Uh Somebody, <laughs> I wasn't going to name him, but I, I will because he's sitting across the table. No less a person than Travis Grauerholtz told me once, I find it hard to vote for somebody that hasn't come to my door. Uh, no substitute for that face-to-face interaction. Yeah. You really do learn a person, the public figure, talking one-on-one. It's kind of out of their element. They're you know, going to catch by surprise on some of the questions, but that's when you really learn who's there. Obviously, you did a good job at that, knocking 10,000 and getting elected that year. Well, and it's actually interesting. One of those encounters at the door, they were not friendly with me. And uh, uh, we had a sit-down conversation. I ended up not asking for his vote. And he said, I'm not voting for you. But after the, the May after our first session, I got an email from this gentleman saying, you know, I didn't vote for you, but I'm so glad that you represent me so no kidding that's, right. that's a happy cool story, story. Yeah, yeah it really is what percentage of doors i know i mean especially here in kansas it's not how we do business to be uh, uh you know too hostile or inhospitable for the most part but what percentage of your door knocks would you say you walk away from saying woof that was kind of unpleasant <laughs> um, it's not very many you know and my son would knock with me, and I remember he got a door slammed in his face. But really, even if you disagree with people, I mean, people are nice. And if you're taking the time to make it an attempt to have a conversation with you, mm-hmm. I had very few um, people slam a door or just be rude. We hear that consistently from folks, no matter where they are on the political spectrum or what their district is. And uh, again, as a lifelong Kansan, I think that's kind of a reflection of who we are, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, first time you ran, uh, the year was? I It was 2016. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and 
then re-election in 2020. Yes. And talk to us about your progression from being a rookie senator all the way up to now being the head of the Democratic Caucus in the Senate, Senate Minority Leader. Yeah. So 2016, again, you know, I've always been a problem solver, liking to look at complex issues. And um, but yeah, you come in and education was kind of where my process was. I also loved economic development, just being in business. But I mean, the swath of things that we deal with in the legislature. Um, so I was always learning and I was, you know, thankful for the relationships that I'd had doing like leadership Lenexa and things um, because I was able to call people and get their perspective, whether it was a banker or the chief of police or, you know, so those relationships are so important. And yeah, I, and then to leader. <laughs> so came in as a Republican, um, felt more and more uncomfortable as my time progressed and decided to make that change um, two years in and you know not knowing what would happen then and then facing re-election um, did well um, election night um, in 2020 was not exactly what I was expecting um, I, you know I thought we would have more seats in the Senate and I don't think I thought Anthony was gonna lose you know I was looking at um, probably doing some sort of leadership, um, Johnson County chair or something like that, you know, putting my feet in the water. And then um, election night changed that, had a couple of phone calls from people saying I needed to consider it and um, then just having conversations and running for minority leader and winning and um, I am thankful for my staff. I'm not just saying that because they're in the room. <laughs> um, um, Helena worked on my campaign with me and I knew Jaden from um, in the caucus and you know Corey had worked for the governor but had been a chief of staff before so they um, really helped me um, learn this position but I have a great caucus. You know we have a small I say small but mighty caucus and we are all very diverse, but, um, you know, looking at the strengths of each member and that's kind of how we move forward day to day. Well, one thing you said that, uh, is near and dear to, to our heart doing what we do. You said you were, you know, fortunate to have resources in your district and the people that you knew and that you could call on for expertise. You know, you got somebody in the banking industry, somebody in law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things we try to just bludgeon into a lot of the associations we work with and our clients is, you know, yes, we're here to represent you in Topeka, but my goodness, there is no substitute for having a relationship with your legislator to put yourself in a position to be that person. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that's, you know, and not to say the lobbyists aren't, I love, you know, lobbyists, and my favorite question is, what is the opposition mm -hmm. going to say on something? Because you're trying to get a whole picture. But it's really, I mean, even in schools, you know, teachers have a perspective, students have a perspective, and it takes all of those together to pass good policy. So, you know, I love, I have friends who are small bankers and that, you know, they were dads of my kids' soccer colleagues. And so um, 
being able to call them, that's very different than my mayor who, you know, Commerce Bank, a very large bank. So it's so important to get all of those different perspectives. Yeah, that is awesome. And just a, a tremendous segue uh, that one of the other things we talk to our clients about all the time is don't just tell them your side of the story. You know, if you really want to empower a legislator to support you, make sure they know what the other side is going to say, too. You know, would you rather that legislator and policymaker hear it from the other side or would you rather they hear it, you know, from you and they will appreciate not being caught off guard down the road with the information you didn't give them that they're going to hear from the other side. But uh, I digress. Well, what you've talked about your path to the minority leader position and the importance uh, of what staff contributes to that and the transition and everything, but what in your role as minority leader, what are some of your favorite things that that role provides the opportunity for? Uh, What are some things that might surprise our listeners to know uh, is involved with that position? And I'll give you an example again. When we had Senator Masterson on, we asked him a similar question. And uh, he laughed, and he's like, I have to pick the color of the jackets of the <laughs> sergeant-at-arms. Uh, so, yeah, you never know what comes with the job. But what are what are some of those things? So he's in the majority. I'm in the minority, so don't do, continue to go with colors. <laughs> but, um, you know, I love being at the table and even um, being in the minority. I mean, there are significant things that I have a voice in and having those conversations. And, you know, I'm very grateful for a good relationship with Ty. And um, we don't always agree, but we're able to have those conversations. And I think there are times that, you know, probably the conversations have opened up a little bit more um, to maybe being a little bit more understanding of my side. Um, I also, I am such a people person, and so being minority leader, you know, I love being out in my district, but I've also loved being out in other parts of Kansas. Um, Johnson County is very different from Garden City, or um, I was in um, Senator, um, oh, I just... Elaine Bowers in her oh, district. Oh, yeah, Concordia. Um, in Concordia, yeah. yes. Sorry, I just drove through there. Um, but, you know, the life, we're all Kansans, and we all have, you know, a basic understanding of what it is to be a Kansan. But there's different um, in just ways in which we do life. Mm-hmm. You know, my grocery store is less than a mile from my house and the way that I do life is so different. So it's so important and I've loved being able to get out um, because of being the minority leader and having those conversations with people outside of my district. We had, this has been some time ago now, but we had Attorney General Schmidt on one of our client podcasts and he, I don't even remember how it came up, but he mentioned that it's it's kind of frustrating to hear some folks refer to Kansas or the Midwest as flyover country, sort of insinuating that, oh, it's just nothing but one homogenous whatever down there. And, you know, his comment was, and you mentioned that Overland Park is much different, Johnson County is much different than Garden City. And I do remember his comment was, you know, there is as much diversity here um, in industry and um, economic opportunity and everything. There's as much diversity here from Garden City to Johnson County as, as any other state in the nation. And 
uh, people just don't understand that sometimes if they're not here or haven't been through the area. Uh, well, what um, what about family life? So you've mentioned your family already, but what uh, uh, what are the ages now, and and what uh, yeah, what are they up yeah. to? So my husband is Jeff, and he works for VML YNR. Um, he's a technical director. Um, I, that's his deep as I go into what he does. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) My son, William, is 19, and he is um, in school in Nashville at Trevecca Nazarene University studying um, computer and doing some music. He's a fabulous guitar player. And um, my youngest son, Tyler, is 17, and he is a junior at Olathe Northwest and looking at going to school to do medicine. Is he the one being heavily recruited by KU? Yes, he is being heavily recruited (laughs) by KU. It's kind of funny. I think he got four Christmas cards from KU. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And then I have a dog named Ike who is a boxer, and he is probably the one who is spoiled in my house. Do you want to jump in? I also have a boxer, so I can relate. (laughs) Great dogs, great dogs. They are. He is a disaster, but I Can he jump like mine? I mean, mine yes. mine can take a few steps back, go right over a six-foot fence. I mean, so mine has learned how to get the pickets out of the fence. He knows exactly where to pop it, and so we have probably a fourth of a new fence from all the new boards that we've had to fit in. And we actually have a hole between our neighbors' yard and ours, so he can play with their dog. That is awesome. Great. That is fantastic. Yeah. We uh, we're hardcore dog lovers here so that, that scores huge points <laughs> yeah. uh so your son is going to your alma mater yes he is well, how fun is that it is great so it's actually a family school my husband's father or grandfather was a president there in the 60s and so um, william loves being there and um, some of the professors that were there some actually students that i was there with are now professors so um I have a watchful eye on my son at all times. <laughs> that's, that's comforting. Yes. Comforting as a parent. Uh, and I have to ask, I didn't know anything about your son and music. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so uh, my dad got him a gu- guitar probably when he was in middle school for Christmas. And he just picked it up, kind of taught himself, um, really is very talented. He works at Muddy River Guitars in Lenexa when he's in town and does a great job. Um, He's in a little quartet group that plays and um, the basis for Reba McIntyre is actually his professor. So he's really got some great um, roads into the music industry and loves doing it. And only in Nashville. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a great place for music. No doubt. (laughs) Uh, so, does he have an interest in country music? Um, he's probably he does some country, but he's more the classics, um, Clapton and things like that. He likes some jazz, um, but he has actually been in kind of a guitar sh- shop in Nashville, just kind of noodling around. And people have asked him to play. Um, so, it I. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he uh, and I know you know this, and he probably knows it too if he's down there. But I mean, he is in. There is no place on earth like that. Yeah. 
in terms of providing the opportunity to play live music and maybe end up playing it with some, you know, borderline, if not famous, somebody that's just two degrees removed from somebody famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, think that's his dream. Yeah. But we'll see. That is super cool. That is absolutely awesome. I saw your smile bright up when I, the classics. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No I doubt. Scott over there. Just, yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, free time. What do you have going on? You're up here constantly. I mean, fantasy football. We're not, <laughs> not hanging out with Peyton Manning. What do you, what do you do? So I just got back from skiing. I love snow skiing. I also love the beach. Um, but reading, I actually love to knit. I haven't knitted in a while. Um, but really reading, cooking, of course. Um, so baking. But, yeah. Does, does the office get baking treats every now and then? Is that? Yeah. Well, I will tell you. So before I took the leadership position, I probably baked a lot more. So... The um, sergeant of arms in a room probably gets shortchanged a little more than now that I have a little bit more responsibility. But uh, that's funny. It is a good way to relax well, after a crazy day. For the record, for our audience, your entire team nodded enthusiastically when asked <laughs> if they were the beneficiaries of that. You mentioned reading. Uh, good segue. We uh, will wind. We always wind down with some. Uh, light-hearted personal questions that have nothing to do with politics or your job at all uh, but what would be some of your favorite books if you're a reader or authors either one yeah so I always um, love John Grisham just kind of a easy read fun I'm currently reading Stacey Abrams while Justice Sleeps but also been reading a lot of leadership books, um, team of rivals, all of that. So I have an assortment. Normally I have a stack of probably 10 books that I'm reading. Um, I actually just finished Wicked Kansas, which is a history of maybe are not so nice parts of history, but entertaining. (laughs) I have a wide variety of things. Uh, Team of rivals, I'm ashamed to say I haven't read. Is it as good as everybody says? It is very good, yeah. yes. I just picked up her other book. Um, I think it's Leadership, so I haven't started that one yet. Very cool. Uh, same question for movies. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> so I have teenage boys, so I get pulled to all of the Marvel and all of that. Um, I love the holiday. Uh, I... Uh, be completely honest i will watch hallmark christmas movies <laughs> that is awesome well, you're around um, sometimes in july yeah, yeah. Uh, like during covid and things it was like yes hallmark christmas movies perfect well hallmark is our client so we approve this message <laughs> vigorously that is awesome yeah that is awesome and then my favorite question what about music and i would say this the default answer of everybody is to say well you know i i I like more than one kind i listen to a little bit of everything but if you had to uh to pick so probably country music is my go-to but i do have quite an eclectic Mm -hmm. country is probably my go-to and some of the artists that would make your 
top 10 island so, list. I'm an East Tennessee girl, and so Kenny Chesney. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have friends. We have mutual friends, so um, and I love the Caribbean and the islands, so Kenny Chesney is always a go-to. Cool. Uh, forgive me if I've got my geography wrong, but Dolly Parton is from Dolly Parton, East yes. Tennessee. East yes. Tennessee, yes. Uh-huh. Love Dolly Parton. Yeah. Uh, I think she is an underappreciated role model mm-hmm. um, everybody knows about her music a few people have seen her as an actress but uh, I do not think enough people know about what a pioneer she was uh, both in terms of kicking down doors in the music industry but as an entrepreneur she is mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable story yeah she is an amazing lady um, I mean, we have the Imagination Library that has helped many people, especially in East Tennessee. But now Absolutely. we're a partner in Kansas. Um, her Netflix, I think it was Netflix, um, documentary was fantastic. Yes, it so, was. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. She is a, I truly believe, an underappreciated American treasure. Uh, and, yeah, it's easy to lose sight, too, of how what times were like when she got her start and the hurdles she had that, you know, she was the first in many cases to, to clear. It's a cool story. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap up with this. We so much appreciate you coming in to spend time with us. We've saved the hard-hitting questions till the end. These, <laughs> these are the political make-or-break questions that listeners are going to want to know. Are you ready? Okay. Toothpaste, squeeze from the bottom or from the middle? I think it's kind of the middle and then the bottom. I will tell you, so my husband and I, this is like really getting into the weeds with us. We hate to be the one who has to like get the new tube of toothpaste. So it's always a fight to see who can get the last little bit of toothpaste. That's hilarious. And I love that because I'm always, like, putting way too much time into getting the last bit of toothpaste out just because I'm cheap. (laughs) Absolutely. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. That is such a better answer than I thought I was even going to get. Continuing with the hard-hitting public policy questions, Coke or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. All right. Very good. And last but not least, Travis, unless you've got some you want to add in here. Uh, spring or fall? Oh, that's a hard one. It I'm is. I'm going to say spring. Uh, my birthday's in the spring, and I love the flowers, but I also love the changing of weather and fall and hikes, but probably spring. All right. That's awesome. Travis, you have any other hard-hitting policy questions like that you uh, want to add? I don't think so. I think we've, we've, we've pushed <laughs> enough on those. <laughs> well, Senator, it has been a delight to have you on the show. We so much appreciate you making time to sit down with us. And uh, for our listeners, too, I will say uh, we appreciate how accessible you always are when we need to visit about things and and the approach you bring to the job you have to do so thank you for all of that and we sure have enjoyed having you here today thank you this has been great and i appreciate both of you all right well listeners this has been the bhl podcast series thank you for tuning in we'll catch you again next time